Hey everyone, it is Dee Chantal, your yoga teacher for Yogi in a Trap, where yoga is for everybody. And I'm excited about today's podcast, which will be a little longer than what we normally do because we have a guest today. It's actually Carrie from Meets Meets West Studio, and you can find the link to their website in my bio. And what makes this episode so exciting is this is actually my teacher, one of three um, who taught us during yoga teacher training and she's co-owner of East Meets West Yoga Studio which you'll hear all about this um, when I introduce her and what makes it so exciting for me is that I as a student as a teacher and as a black woman I'm having this open dialogue about you know my experience and listening to her experience and you know she was the one who taught me and how so much of what she taught me is actually embedded in my practice and how her um, open mind and open heart and you know opening up her studio to me to practice it really can magnify into this big thing you know just from one person just respecting what you do and seeing something more in you and listening she's an amazing listener but what I really love about her is she's honest and you'll also hear that throughout hear this throughout the podcast you will hear her being honest and saying hey you know minds don't look like this and I don't really care but this is where I I am in the process so and that is one of the reasons why my practice is so strong because I'm allowed to be who I am and you'll hear me in the podcast thank her for that so if there's anything that I want you to take away from this, which you'll hear us talk about the why and going into your practice and knowing these certain things, um, is that where you start at is not where you're going to finish, you know, and everybody has a reason for going into their yoga practice and it can evolve into something way greater than where you started at with anything, you know. We start for one reason, we may end for another, but being comfortable and being authentic in your space and place is what leads you to the higher place, that enlightenment. So um, enjoy today's podcast and remember to give us some stars, comment, like, share, whatever we got to do to get more people to listen, for more people to see. And let's go. All right, so welcome everybody to Yoga in the Trap. We have our very first interview today with my teacher, Carrie, from East Meets West Yoga Studio. She is the co-owner, the teacher trainer instructor, and she also teaches a vinyasa style class, and you can find her on the schedule quite frequently. So welcome, Carrie. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to have you on the podcast today. Like, I planned this before I even, like, started recording my podcast <laughs> in the very first episode. I was like, you guys, I'm going to try to interview my teacher. But I don't know if she's going to do it, but we're going to try to get <laughs> Well, I, I feel really, really honored that you have asked me. I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, so this is this podcast, I try to structure it so people, beginners, especially beginner yogis, can feel comfortable with entering into the studio and that they're okay. more prepared. Um, East, 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 West is my studio. I don't know if you know that, but it's definitely my studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. um, I want people to I want to, people to feel comfortable to go in the place that I feel comfortable with. So I thought this was mm-hmm. a great way to introduce them to the studio and to also give them mm-hmm. some background about me and you know how you know I founded a practice and who you know helped me along this journey. So thank you great. so much. Yeah, my All pleasure. Right. <laughs> so the first thing I want to talk about is the why. And I really, reading your bio, I really didn't figure this out. Like this why expands into a yoga practice. Like with healthy eating, I always tell people, you know, figure out your why, why you want to do it, because that will sustain you. And reading your bio, it looks like you were looking for a physical outlet. So I want to ask you, do you think it's important to find a why in a daily yoga practice? And can you p- tell us more about, you know, looking for a physical outlet in your practice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, th- the why is what sustains you. You know, it's, 
people people start their practice their practices for a whole lot of reasons. Um, sometimes it 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 begins through the physical practice. Sometimes it's because they want a they want to start to meditate, and this is in in the West. Um, an asana practice, a physical yoga practice, is really the easiest way to launch into a more meditative practice. Um, and throughout the course of a person's life, your reasons for practicing change, the the um, the hardships that you come up against, the 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 roadblocks that arrive will change as well. You know, some people start their practice, young women especially, will start their practice, let's say, in their 20s during or, or just after college. And throughout the course of their practice, they get married, they have children, and suddenly there are roadblocks to getting on the mat. And the why is what continues to bring you back to your practice. It brings you back to your mat. Um, and as I said, the why could change. I, I started my practice. I had just moved back to Buffalo. Um, I had ended a long-term relationship, and I was looking for a, a few things. In, in, in my biography, it was, it was looking for something physical to do. I was a swimmer in college, and um, I needed to find some kind of physical outlet, um, but I was also looking for a community. I was looking for people. Um, and a yoga studio, what, what I find with students as they enter the studio is that's, that's the connection that people make. You know, every, there, are, there are lots and lots of studios in Buffalo, there are, each studio has their own personality. And the people who come into East Meets West and then return are the people who like the personality of East Meets West. It has, it, it has its own, it's, a, it ha, it's like a character. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the way it looks, the way it feels, the people that inhabit it, our students, our teachers, um, and so for a lot of people, I, I find that people become most curious about yoga. The initial why for starting a practice is that people are searching for something. And, and what they're searching for initially may look different or sound different, but ultimately what we're all searching for is community, um, like-minded people, a place where we are we feel accepted and wanted and loved. Um, yes. and, I, and I think that that's what a good yoga community provides. And each yoga community provides it in a different way. Okay. That, wow, that was really good. Okay, because what I would say my practice started out as a mental practice, you know, trying to connect mentally and just move out of a really dark space. And now mm -hmm. my why has changed. I'm not sure if you listened to my previous episode and just and uh -huh. hearing you talk about roadblocks and, you know, connecting. Like when I started my practice, it was more like mental. And now it's really developed in this, into this thing where I'm like, okay, I don't see a lot of people who look like me in this space. So yeah. obviously they don't feel comfortable. So I need to right. figure out a way that I can help pe other people who look like me and just let them know, like, it is okay, it is a loving community, and that, mm -hmm. you know, um, you, you have space. There is space for you. And you mm -hmm. may experience some roadblocks along the way, as I discussed mm -hmm. in the previous episode. But mm -hmm. um, don't let that discourage you. You know, keep going. Get what you came to get. So yes. this is actually going to bring me into um, the next question is, okay, once you – kind of, you know, figured out you, you were in that why space. How did you get introduced into yoga, and where mm -hmm. did you start? Well, so East Meets West Yoga was founded by my mother, Anita Grieber, in 1999. Um, she had begun, she had worked for many years for the YMCA, 
And I remember when I was a teenager, my mother would practice yoga in the living room. Um, she would watch, she had, she had uh, VHS tapes. It was uh, um, Brian, oh gosh, it, it was one of the Kest brothers, Brian or Johnny Kest. I don't, at this moment in time, the, the brother is escaping me. Um, Richard <laughs> Freeman, you know, th- there, there, were these, yeah. there were these videotapes and she would watch and, and I would watch her as she was doing her practice. And I will be completely honest, I was, I was a teenager. It, I, I thought it was silly. It looked silly to me. Um, what she was doing, the voices, the, the, um, the, the overly meditative, these calm, very calm voices working you through a yoga practice. And they weren't, they weren't easy videos. These were, this was Ashtanga. This was the beginning of power yoga. This was hard, hard yoga. Um, and it, it did, just didn't interest me at all. Um, the first few classes I went to, I went because my, my mother took me. <laughs> she made me go. It was when I was in college. And they were primarily, it, it was primarily Hatha yoga. You know, it was, the, it, it was in the late 90s. Um, and I was, I was swimming in college. I had a very physical practice. Um, you know, we, we, I swam a few hours a day for months at a time. And I would go to Hatha yoga and I would be bored out of my mind. You know, it, it's just, it's a very <laughs> typical, like, late teen story. Um, yes. And, and so it, 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 I wasn't into it. Um, and then a few years after college, I had the opportunity to, take a, to start taking Ashtanga. And Ashtanga yoga really satisfied the movement, the physical movement. It was, it was physically challenging. It, um, it was, you know, you got hot, you got sweaty. Um, it, was, it, it was really interesting. And so I was drawn to that. Um, I learned pretty quickly, I realized pretty quickly that my, my body was not designed for Ashtanga yoga. Um, I found the way the practice is created um, and, and, and done by practitioners um, didn't work for my body, and I found myself feeling – I wouldn't say I was getting injured, but I was, I was feeling mm-hmm. things in my body that didn't feel right. And so that's yeah. when I moved on to vinyasa yoga. Um, so, yeah, it was in the beginning, my, in the beginning, it was a struggle. I was, I was dragged to yoga, essentially. Okay. <laughs> I, you know I what? Was, yeah. That's, that's interesting. And that's inspiring at the same time, especially for mothers who have teenagers, like for yeah. myself. I have a teenager, and when she sees me practice, like, I can see that she respects it. But I know she thinks I'm weird. You know what I mean? I have dragged her to classes, you know. I don't drag her anymore. But, like, when I first started, I used to drag her to classes. But when I practice at home, you know, even, like, structure in a class, like, she will read it out to me and she watches. You know, like, I try to get her to help. So I believe later on in life, like, she's going to find this whole thing. So this is, like, very inspiring, you know. Well, good. So hopefully hopefully later on she'll pick it up. So that's inspiring to moms, too, you know. Maybe they want how to introduce it to their kids, you know. So Mm -hmm. I like that. I I really appreciate that. And you can – the number of people, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, the number of primarily women who come in and talk about how they want their, their partners, their, you know, usually it would be a male partner. I want my mm-hmm. husband, my boyfriend to come and take class. I really think he'll like it and he is resistant. And it's, it's the same kind of thing. Every person, you can't make someone like something. <laughs> so, yeah, that's you know, true. You, you, yeah, you can't you can't make you, your husband, your partner, your 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 boyfriend um, come to yoga and love it like you do. They may or yeah. may not find it on their own, but they but they have to do it on their own if they're going to do it. And I think that that's 
that's how it is with my practice and my relationship with my mother because you know my, my mother i she's the she's the best teacher in, in buffalo um i have I, I absolutely believe it she is um she is a master her understanding of the body her understanding of language um but she doesn't teach what i want to practice and so it becomes it becomes a little bit of um, an existential struggle because here I have access to this incredible teacher, um, but what she teaches is different than what I want to do. Um, and I yeah. bet in 15, 20 years, I will do what my mother wants me to do. <laughs> um, and I will learn my lesson and I will know that my mother was right all along. Oh, yes, your yeah. mother is amazing. Like, I tell people all the time, like, when <laughs> – I didn't even know this was your mother either. I was like, listen, mm-hmm. I went into her mm-hmm. yoga class. Like, she straight up put her foot in my back and was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, she is amazing. Like, and even, like, her – her energy is so beautiful. Like, yeah. I really, I love her, like, so much. And I don't know if she knows that either. She's in past that. Like, I love her so much. <laughs> I love talking to her. I love being next star. Like, I just, yeah. come in, like, somehow I just get close to her. So yeah. I think she's amazing. Um, can we go back to you starting with an Ashtanga practice and then moving into mm-hmm. Vinyasa and knowing mm-hmm. that that didn't feel right in your body. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I'm like, I so, I love Ashtanga yoga. Like, I love mm-hmm. everything about it. But I know mm-hmm. from the get-go, like, I'm like, that is not for me because of mm-hmm. the structure yeah. of it. And the, like, but there's something about it that connects me to it. And I know I would never even dare get in that practice. And I mm-hmm. know that vinyasa is for me. But can you talk about, like, getting on the mat and, like, I knew that from the get-go. Like, getting mm-hmm. on the mat and connecting and knowing what's for you. Like, how, right. you know, to pe- some people force it. Like, I've seen it before. I'm sure you've seen it before. Like, people try to force it or, you know, do what they see other people doing and, and yeah. they of like social media, you know, yeah. uh, people just want to get in a pose, you know, and it's right. like, right. Connect, knowing what's good for your body or knowing what does it feel like to know, I guess this is my, this is my question. What does it feel like to know something's not right for you? Like how can someone recognize that? That's a really, really good question. Um, I think in some ways, it, it, that knowing it can take time. Um, so my personal experience with Ashtanga was that there, were, there are aspects of Ashtanga that I think are wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, daily, the daily practice. So in, yes. in Ashtanga, you get on your mat six days a week. Um, you take off full moon and new moon. And women are given uh, the ladies' ladies' holiday. That's what that's what they call it, the ladies' holiday. Um, and in in the in the traditional Ashtanga practice, you go. It's, you practice first thing in the morning, and people come and go. You know, they they you're given like a two or three hour um, time slot. You come in. You do your practice and you leave. And there's a, a, a teacher, maybe more than one teacher in the room who's walking around and pr- providing adjustments, assists, and direction. Um, I remember the first time I read, and, th- and that, that particular practice is called Mysore, and it's named right. after the place in India, my, the, the province of Mysore in, in India where this practice was developed. Um, mm-hmm. The practice of Mysore is really wonderful. It, it reminded me, this was the thing that reminded me most of my time swimming because mm-hmm. everyone is moving. Um, it is silent. There's no music. The only thing you hear is other people breathing and perhaps the whispers of the teacher talking to someone else. So it is a very quiet, it is warm, the energy is just wonderful. You are, it's like you are pulled along in this tide through your practice. 
so for me, initially, that was very appealing, and it, it spoke to me. And in that way, it was like, oh, this is, this is something that I, I want to do. Um, what didn't speak to me about Ashtanga in, in particular was that it was a set series of poses, and mm-hmm. you, you, you accomplish your pose, before you can move on to the next pose. And you accomplish all of the poses in one series, one sequence, before you're given the next series. And some of the poses, it is my belief, and, and if you were to talk to someone who is, you know, a practicing, an Ashtanga practitioner, they'll, they'll disagree with me, and, and you know, that, that's okay. But from yeah. my experience, um, not every pose is appropriate for all of the bodies. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do a pose and you're not given permission to move on, then you're never able to do the other poses. And the other poses are just as important as the first poses. Yeah. So for me, um, Lotus, uh, Padmasana, which is a very important, uh, you know, this, this is one of the poses that people see all the time. It's, you know, sitting yeah. with your legs, with your feet, you know, your legs crossed and your feet up in your hips. My body was not designed to do that. Anytime I tried to work towards that pose, within mm-hmm. a few, a week or two, my knees would start to bother me. And I had teachers who I loved and friends who I adore who were into this practice and would say, give it time, give it time. It's just your body opening up. And I knew, I just, it's like a, it's like a bad relationship. <laughs> I know? get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you know when you're in a bad relationship and it depends on yeah. when you decide to make the decision to get out of it. I knew, I just knew in my gut that it was, it was, not right for me. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was heartbreaking because, again, people I loved, it's, it's, it's like, again, when you're in a, in a relationship and your family loves the person you're dating and you know deep yeah. down this is not the right person for you. Um, yeah. it, it, it was very, very hard. And then on the flip side, when I found what I practice now, which I don't, there are a lot of people who would say that what I practice now is not vinyasa yoga, and I can talk about that at some point if you'd like. When I, the first time I did what I do now, Mm -hmm. I felt like I was coming home. It was, it was like, it's like walking into the house that you want to buy, and you're like, this, this is my house. This is my yes. home. I, I've seen this in my dreams. You feel it in your body. And I, and I have to say, that, does not ne- that can come from so many things. It doesn't necessarily come from being on a yoga mat, but it doesn't make it less yoga. That mm. feeling is yoga. That I love sense that. Of, yeah, that sense of being home in your body, doing what you're supposed to do. That's, that's yoga. So what I do now, while it may not look like a traditional yoga practice to many, many people, I, it feels more like yoga than anything I've ever done before. I love that because I, oh, my goodness, you're hitting, like, so many points. Again, last episode, <laughs> oh, <good>. so, <laughs> last episode, I was talking just about my practice and how my practice, even my practice and what I'm te- teaching may not look like what mm-hmm. someone else is used to, and that doesn't make mm-hmm. it wrong. It just no. makes it my practice, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. you may not, as a student, you may not connect with it, but that doesn't mean that someone else may not. So, right, I think. And this is, okay, now I might be jumping a little bit, but I'll, I'll get back okay. to the point later. But I yeah. think that um, 
as a African-American woman who would like to eventually come into a yoga studio, because I've been researching and I haven't seen why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, like I was saying, that although yes. I um, may not, my practice may not look like what people are used to, it doesn't make it wrong, you know? Correct. So I think right. that that has to be, I don't know if that communication is out here in the yoga community, but I think that's another, that's like a whole another layer, you know, that probably we can mm-hmm. talk about offline, you know, but mm-hmm. I think, I just think that if there's anybody who's listening, um, if there's any yoga teachers, any yoga studio teachers, any, you know, even practitioners, you know, finding, I found this out early in the beginning, finding a teacher you can connect to is important. Um, because that's more than likely the class that you love. And also for mm-hmm. yoga studio owners to also, in this practice, you know, we're taught, you know, to have open mind, open heart. You also, you also have to use that approach when inviting teachers into that space. And now yeah. there's going to be, teachers are going to look different, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of teacher training programs out there, and there's going to be mm-hmm. a lot of different practices. People are going to develop their own once they're taught you know, this practice, and it doesn't look like yours. It may not right. look like yours, but there's, if somebody wants it, you know what I yes. mean? So yeah, I think Absolutely. that's important, and I love that you said that. Yeah, so, so I would, I'd like to um, just throw out some names because I, I think that, especially in yoga, I think tradition, not, I'm sorry, not, not tradition, but lineage, acknowledging mm-hmm. your teachers is really important, and yes. so right now I am participating in, uh, I'm doing my second uh, teacher training in Toronto with Cecily Milne. She is a yoga detour. And mm. she, she created Yoga Detour with Catherine Bruni Young. Catherine, is, Catherine now does her own thing. She calls Mindful Strength. Um, both of these women live in Canada, Cecily in Toronto and Catherine in Cornwall, Ontario, um, these two women really introduced me to the practice that I feel uh, most comfortable with. And neither of them, if you, were, if you were to watch these women practice, if you were to take their classes, they, they both came from the Ashtanga tradition, neither of them practice in that way now mm-hmm. um, but they are these two women are so strong and um, and just beautiful to watch you know really yeah. really graceful and and beautiful to watch um, the other people that I recommend and I and I include as my teachers is uh, besides I, I always have to credit my mother um, but then Jules Mitchell who does mm. yoga biomechanics. She's based, right now she's in San Francisco. Um, and Alexandra Crow, who is based in, um, in Ohio. I think she's in Columbus, Ohio. And she is the yoga of, uh, the physics of yoga. Um, okay. And so I would, I would count these four women um, as my primary teachers, I've, I've worked with all of them. You know, I've done workshops, extended workshops with all of them, um, and and none of them are doing what you'd call vinyasa yoga. They've all come mm. from that tradition. They've done it before, and their 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 practices, their teaching has evolved. None of them. They all practice differently as well. And so when I practice, when I teach. I take what they've done that, you know, the, what resonates with me, what speaks to me, and I incorporate it in my practice and in my, my teaching. Um, so what I do is a conglomeration of everything that they do. So it's, it's similar but different. And I, I would suspect that that's what you do. You know, you, you, yeah. you've practiced with many teachers in many places, and what speaks to you, you then teach. And you teach it differently yeah. than you've been taught, but you teach it in your own way. And that's, that's really yeah. important. That's, like, that's what makes yoga um, 
allows it to survive, you know, like, mm. like what, we, what we want the Constitution to be, you know, a living document that changes as humans change, as people change, as we learn more, um, as yes. we hopefully progress. Yes, yes, yes. And I think, and I, I credit that to my teacher training program because hearing, thank you for that, but I come from a, I, I was taught in a space that allows you to be you. Like, I never felt mm-hmm. like, you know, I just couldn't be me. So mm-hmm. I thank you for that. So I'm going to my. jump. Okay, so we kind of yes. jumped ahead a little bit. Because, yeah. But that's important to know for people to know, like, your practice will develop. So where you start at, we just want you to know where you start at may not be where mm-hmm. you end at. So right. So that's okay, you know. So, okay, it's, you got your Ashtanga practice, and you move into your vinyasa practice. Then you become you practice, and then you become going to your teacher training program. Did you mm-hmm. know this year is your ten year anniversary? Did you acknowledge that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, <laughs> no. I wrote that I down. Think, I was like, oh, I think. Um, so I believe I I started my teacher training in the fall of two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. But but I actually started teaching, I, I I started teaching before teacher I did teacher training. Um, okay. You know, one class a week I began teaching. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that, <laughs> and, and I I I did my teacher training through the Himalayan Institute, and mm-hmm. it was with Rolf Sovic, who is now. In, again, you know, to, just to I, I I just think it's so important that people know these names. The resources. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Rolf is in at, at the at, in Holmesdale. He he primarily lives in Holmesdale, which is where the Himalayan Institute is based, and they also have a facility in India. Um, I unfortunately I I don't know exactly where it is, but I know he travels okay. to India quite frequently. How did you know? you wanted to be a teacher like you were practicing and now you're going mm-hmm. to teacher training so what what did that feel like I know what it felt like for me but I wouldn't know what it felt like for you <laughs> yeah um so so for me and I and I'd, I'd like to hear what it felt like for you as well but for okay. me what I so I come from a family of teachers my my father works at the university my my mother teaches yoga um my sister is a teacher like we it, it's just it's in the blood, but what I found, and, and in my previous life, I was doing other kinds of teaching, um, trainings and stuff. This is before I, I started, like I decided to make my life about the yoga studio. Um, I found myself in classes, primarily my mother's classes. I was really listening to what she was saying and I was exploring how it translated in my own body, but I was exploring, I was watching how, what, what it did to other people. And I mm-hmm. found myself thinking of other, other ways. So like I would see, well, that person doesn't seem to understand what's being said. How could, how could I describe it so that they understand what's the information that's, that's being um, put out there. And then after class, I would talk to my mom about it. Like we would have conversations about, <laughs> about her class and, and what she taught and why she taught it and, you know, the words that she used. And it just became clear that, that that's the direction I was going in. And I'm, I'm the type of person I learn best when I'm in the room with a teacher. So I don't, I don't learn, like I, I don't learn through reading books. I don't mm-hmm. really learn, like I can't do a webinar. I don't, I'm not good at online learning. I need to be in the room. I need to be watching and listening and participating. Um, so I found that I was learning more about the practice as I started to think about how to teach it so yeah. so the the teaching of it be, made it um live in my body 
in, wow. in a way that just practicing didn't. How, how about you? How did you know? When, when did it? Well, I felt I, okay, so it just felt like the next step in progression for me, and I loved mm-hmm. when teachers would adjust me. Like, that oh. was amazing to me. Like, that felt oh. so good, and I was like, well, I want to know what, what, what am I doing? Why, where, what do you see that I right. can't see? You know what I Interesting. mean? So I yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I, it just, and then I was like, I know I got, like, it felt like I had it, but I didn't know, yeah. you know, I was like, I feel like I have it. You know what I mean? Right. I just didn't know if I had it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah. well, teacher tra- training program is the next step for me. And I yeah. enjoy more watching class and watching, like, I know you always say go to class, but I wish there was, like, a way for me to just sit in class and yeah. watch. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's what yeah. I want to do. I just want to sit and watch. And for me, that helps me cue. So what – Yes. What I've evolved into now is now, like, like for me, I use my Instagram as a <laughs> as a teaching me how to cue. But to me, it's so wordy. Like, that's not, uh-huh. you know, that's not really like helping me. But it it is in a way, you know. Like, I'm yes. figuring out. Okay, this is too wordy. You know, right. like eh. right. so. It's yeah. just like. That, that's what it felt like for me. That's how I knew I needed to, you know, progress. Because I'm so, I love to watch someone cue and somebody's mm-hmm. body move. You, like, yeah, that to yeah. me, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I can yes. see, for me, I can see what somebody's doing wrong more than I do right. what right. they're doing right. Like, I can yes. look at a picture and see what's wrong. Like, even uh-huh. my own pictures, I'm like, oh, that is so wrong. You know what I mean? As opposed to, like, uh-huh. <laughs> to yeah. like doing it. So I like, yeah. I like to look at the whole, like, body and, you know, yeah. I'm just obsessed with it's that It's fascinating. Part yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I, the, the movement, movement is fascinating. Like, we have been given quite a gift to have these bodies that we can move. And most of our movement is is done without thought. Like we just we just and even that's incredible. But to become, yeah. I mean, I really like. I've, I recently started to teach a class that I call um, embodied strength because mm-hmm. I I, I think was going to come term, yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, yeah, <laughs> come soon, come soon. Because I just okay. I find the the yoga it helps us become embodied. It helps us to mm. better understand what our bodies do, what our bodies are doing, and to make some of our actions more intentional. Um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's that. really interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I'm always, and this is not my coined hashtag or anything, but I always say mm-hmm. yoga every damn day. And mm-hmm. some people are probably like, there's no way anybody can pro- practice yoga every day. Um, mm-hmm. But what I was taught and a lot of people who are yoga practitioners or yoga teachers, yoga does not, yoga every day is not an asana practice every day for everybody. So I'm curious what your daily practice looks like. And is it an asana practice? Do you go into other things? Like what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, my, my daily practice is, not a daily asana practice. Um, and even when I get on my mat, it's not, it usually doesn't look like a traditional asana practice. Um, so my, I, I, it is important that I move every day. Um, and I'm going to say six days out of the week, my, my <laughs> it, it's walking the dogs. Um, yeah. So I have I have two dogs, and I I find that that becomes a part of my yoga practice because mm. uh, dogs dogs and and children are the most present creatures on earth. They are yes. just they live in the moment, and they remind you. You know, they teach you how interesting, how exciting each each moment can be. Um, I, I work with, I, I work out, um, in, in a, in small group classes, 
twice a week where I am doing functional movement and lifting weights and pushing and pulling heavy things um, because that's, for my body, um, that's what my body likes to do. My, my body likes to um, lift and, and pull and push heavy objects. <laughs> um, and this is something that I've learned. Yeah, this is something that I've learned in the last three years. Um, it's, okay. When I'm doing that kind of work, I feel the best in my body. Um, and, I, and I've chosen a trainer who works really intentionally. So I'm not, you know, even when I'm throwing a ball against the wall, I'm, mm-hmm. I am thinking about each time I throw that ball against the wall, which again is what makes the movement, in my mind, it makes the movement yogic. Um, it, mm. it is, it's very thoughtful. It's very intentional. Um, so, nice. yeah, so, so I, I personally don't think I, I believe in a variety of movement. I believe that the asana practice, the practice of the postures, should, it is only a portion of what you should do every week. So, you know, you get on your mat three days, three or four days a week, but then maybe you walk three mm-hmm. days a week. Um, you run, you swim, um, you do other things. Maybe you, maybe you lift weights or you don't. Mm-hmm. Like you have to decide what's appropriate for your body. But one kind of movement, it's like, you know, people who, I, I don't know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a really good example. Uh, for people whose job it is to like, you know, move the nut you know, screw the nut yeah. onto a bolt, and that's all they do every day. And every day they're just doing that action of screwing the nut onto the bolt, and they go home and they don't do anything else, even though that action may be physical or like, you know, digging a hole. You're moving your body. You're digging the hole every day. But if that's yeah. all you do, you're, you're, you're going to end up with some kind of, discomfort or pain you have to move in different ways um yeah that's good so i get what you're saying yeah and that and that in this in the beginning of the conversation you know we talked about your your practice and how that you know runs into your teaching and Mm -hmm. if anybody's like really paying attention you can hear that okay, this is what your class is like. It sounds like strength yes. and, you know, movement. Yes. And that's, uh-huh. this is what, if anyone came to Carrie's class, this is basically what you would experience. So um, yeah. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. Yeah. So another thing that I want to ask about, you know, your practice and the teaching mm-hmm. practice, you know, corresponding is what is your favorite pose and can you cue it for us? <laughs> you know, when, when, when you warned me that this was going to be a question you were going to ask, um, I, I, my brain froze, um, and I'm, I'm back, I'm kind of back in that place. Um, so I think my, my favorite thing, I, there's not a pose that I would say is my favorite to cue, but there is, what I like to do is I like to explore the same poses, the same pose in a different relationship to gravity. So Mm. an example of that would be um, a triangle pose, trikonasana, and Mm -hmm. it is similar to half moon, uh, Ardha Chandrasana. There is a similarity in a three-legged dog, an open-hipped three-legged dog. You can find it again in variations of side plank vashastasana. Um, yes. So what I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah it, it, that that's my favorite thing to do. So so I really enjoy choosing a pose like that. So uh-huh. let's say you know I've started to do like a um, a pose a pose of the month. That that's a thing that I'm I'm working on right now, and yeah. 
it, it, it's become a real um, intellectual experiment for me because it's not easy. Um, so my pose this month is Vashastasana side plank, and um, and each week I'm I'm doing a different variation of that pose. But if you okay. were to think about like opening into side plank, and there is you know, there, there's a pushing action through the supporting hand. I, I'm not really giving you particular cues right now, so I don't know if I'm being yeah. very helpful. No, that's fine. Um, okay, but like, you know, you, you open into side plank, and you're pushing the earth away through the supporting hand, and you're pushing the earth away through the supporting leg, and you are reaching with the lifted hand so that it's, Yes. You, you, you're reaching to the ceiling. The, the, there's a slight lift of the hips. The glutes engage, pressing the hips forward. The fingers, the, the uplifted fingers lift. Um, and then you can find that again, that same action in a triangle pose with both legs on the ground. So now you're pushing down into the earth with the feet. You are activated, engaged through the legs and the glutes. And you can find that same reaching action through the arms. You know, the fingertips yes. of one hand are reaching down. The fingertips of the other hand are reaching up. Um, and That's so amazing. I love, yeah, I, I really, I, and, you, and again, it's the same in, in Half Moon, in Arda Chandrasana, the same pose, but now you're standing on one leg. And the way I like to teach Half Moon is that it's, it's, a, it's a balance on one leg and that, that other hand, um, which is sometimes taught to, for the hand to be on the earth or the hand on the block, I like to teach it with a hand hovering. So you're balanced on one leg, which means that the whole body, the legs, the glutes, the core, have to be active and in, involved in order to do the pose hands-free. Um, yes. I love that. So, yeah, so, so when I when I practice, when I teach, when I'm thinking about yoga, it's like how, how can I do this shape in a different relationship to gravity? Um, standing, seated, balanced, on the ground, upside down, you know, just, just flipping it around, turning it on, on its head. Yes, I love that. I love that. For anybody who's listening <laughs> <laughs> understood what just happened here. Yeah. <laughs> that you, you yeah. basically did just cue that. Like, I get it. So in that whole, like, the um, side plank, which I just taught that recently, like, I love, uh-huh. I, I felt that because Good. that one hand that you're using to, like, hold you up and you're like, yeah. please don't let me fall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I think that is, to, I think more than cueing, you're telling people not to give up. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I felt. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't give up. This is how right. you're going to keep your stability. You know what I mean? Right. Like, hold it. Hold. That's what I heard. Like, hold it. Hold right. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that, and, and I also, think that is important. Yeah, and, and also, I feel like, you know, if you do it in that way, you can also say, don't worry. We're going to do the pose again, but it's going to yes. look different. And you're going to mm-hmm. feel different things and, you're, and, you know, aspects of it are going to be easier and aspects are, of it are going to be harder, but it's going to inform your practice. And, okay. you know, I don't frequently, in class, I don't frequently tie things back to life, but mm-hmm. a person could do that. I think you do. I think you do a really good job of yeah. that, of making it, making your, your physical practice, your asana practice about your life off the mat um, but but the 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 metaphor is there if you mm-hmm. if you're looking for it it absolutely is there. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move. I know we're getting closer to the hour, so I'm going to move <laughs> through a teacher training program. This is uh-huh. a good conversation. Like I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, Me too. So East East meets West has mm-hmm. the teacher training program that I actually enrolled into, um, mm-hmm. and. I want to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. And from your viewpoint, um, what was I like as a student? Oh, so curious. Um, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. You were, you, you I, I mean, I say were because, the, you know, mm-hmm. you graduated in 2016, I think. 
um, I think, yeah, yeah. So, so I, you're, you were, you are a serious student, a curious student. Um, you take, you take the practice seriously. It's, it's clearly very important to you, and and not again, not just the physical asana practice, but it has. More than than a lot of people, that you know, the the commitment to the principles of yoga. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, you were you were practicing vegan before you started teacher training, um, but that is, you know, that that is ahimsa, non-harming, is an important um, concept in the yoga practice. That that. You know, not not everyone is chooses to be vegan. Not everyone chooses to be vegetarian. I, you know, I I am I am not um, either <laughs> vegan or vegetarian. To be to be honest, um, <laughs> it is because it, it that's a that's a serious commitment. That's a that's a really important um, lifestyle commitment, and I I commend you for it. And clearly, it Thank is. You working for you this is this is an important part of your life um and you took that intention you took that um that focus that dedication into your desire to your practice you know learning how to do your own practice and and learning how to teach um and and so i think that that is really really clear and and so importantly, and it's hard to do for a lot of people because it's you know it, it's it, it's hard to make a living teaching yoga, running a yoga mm-hmm. studio. Um, it's it's not it's not the most profitable uh, thing to do. Um, but what you have done is you've taken it out of the yoga studio. You've brought it to people where they are, wherever they are. You've brought it to communities that that are are that are challenged to get to the studio mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Um, and you've made the the practice accessible to a larger audience and I think that that's really really important and incredibly valuable and something that's that's lacking oh thank you and that's exactly what I'm trying to do is make it accessible because I just want I want more people to feel the way that I feel or just learn that there's other you know outlets out there and you know there's space and that's my whole thing. Like, there is space. Yeah. There is, there is space, space out here. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. There's space, people. Yeah. Um, but my next question, this, this part is obviously about me because I'm trying mm-hmm. to learn. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. My next question is, if there was any advice you can give me for moving throughout my practice, whether it's about my asana practice, my paradigm, any part of it, what would you mm-hmm. give me as my teacher and me as a student would to help me along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what I the the recommendation I would have for you and anyone with who is practicing or anyone who wants to be a teacher is to diverse to to keep learning. You know, you mm-hmm. it is your responsibility, um, and that you know, I'm you as in U D. But like mm-hmm. all all teachers, to 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 keep learning, um, our understanding of the body is always changing. Like you know that 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 may be a surprise to people, but what mm-hmm. we know about the body, we're still we're still learning about how the body best moves, um, how to heal injuries, how to how to move at move our best. Um, people are still figuring that out. There's still research being done. So you need to you need to find your teachers. You need you you, you want your teachers to still be learning mm-hmm. themselves. Um, there should be no stagnation. 
at any point that you start to feel like you're in a comfort zone, then it means Mm -hmm. you have to go out and start learning again. You have to push the the boundaries of your own understanding. Um, So you decide who your teachers are. You decide where you take that. You decide how it is you're going to learn. So I listen to podcasts. I follow people on Instagram and on Facebook, and I participate in trainings, um, in-person trainings, workshops. You know, this year I'm dedicating myself to this 200-hour teacher training in Toronto. Um, But when I... When I experience a teacher who is clearly still teaching the way they taught in, you know, 2007, um, I, I think that's a real problem because mm. yoga has changed since 2007. Um, our understanding has changed. And so it is, it is on you to stay on top of those things. Um, and that's good. Yeah, and if you ever if you if you ever get bored, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's your own fault. I think if you're yes. bored, it means that you're not learning anymore. It means that you're not exposing yourself to other ways of thinking and teaching and doing that are out there. I think that is a good point, and thank you for that. Um, yeah. One because. Yeah, I think that's, like, the whole learning aspect, that is, like, such a good point. And I knew you were going to say something similar like that. You were either going to tell me, like, to get on the mat <laughs> every day, come to class, mm-hmm. or something. So I think the whole, you know, training and the workshop, that's actually um, a good a good point because I am actually, like, what do I do next? You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. always trying to, like, learn. And for me, I'm more just, I'm more concerned about learning than teaching. I, and you know this. You know, yes. I'm like, I don't want to go in the studio. I'm like, I don't want, because I'm like, I right. need to feel comfortable with teaching, you know, and now I'm learning, yes. well, you got to go somewhere and teach. You know what I mean? So I'm finding right. like that balance to, you know, you, want, you don't want to lose it. Because I know if I don't use it, I will totally yeah. lose it. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. My thing is make, making sure I find some kind of way to still feel connected as a teacher and still feel connected as a student. So yes. that's where I'm at, like trying to find that balance. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. So, and there's so many ways. You know, like there's so many good mm-hmm. teachers out there who are offering online classes and webinars. There's so many good teachers who have either regular podcasts themselves or they, they – are interviewed on podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to go someplace else, to go to Kripalu or Omega or, or someplace else to work with these people. You can bring them into your own home mm-hmm. on, you know, on your computer, on, on you know, your tablet. Um, I would say, and again, this could be also a little bit controversial, as a yoga teacher, I don't believe that conferences are the best way to work with another teacher. Like you could go to a yoga conference in New York City or Toronto or whatever, and you can take a class mm-hmm. with a really good teacher with 300 other people. Yeah. You're not really going to be learning a whole lot Which from that 45-minute class with 300. No. It's going to be a great experience for you as a student, but, you know, you need to, you need to spend time with a teacher, you, you know. I agree. It, it, yeah, it, and, and that, it may not be that you can spend, time, like, spend one-on-one time with them. We, we can't do that necessarily, <laughs> but you need, you need to hear them speak yeah. more than for 45 minutes. And I think that that's a good point. And I think a conference is good. It's like an interview. That's what it is. Like uh-huh. you can you can see if that's someone you want to work with further. Like that's how yes. I approach it. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, okay. Good, well, yeah. they're gonna be at this conference, so it's like an interview session with them that they don't know that's happening. But right. <laughs> you can see if, you can see if it's 
something you want to pursue further with them because you may have loved their personality personality right. online, but then you right. get to experience them in person. You're like, whoa, this wasn't what yeah. I thought it was. Good. That's you a really I mean? good and point. Then you may, yeah. Yeah, and you may connect with someone else. So that's how I mm-hmm. think of conferences, you know, even doing one. Like I use it as a tool to see if this is something you would be interested in, you know, that's a, to yeah. pursue further. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving to the last point, I want to make sure we talk about the teacher training program that occurs at East mm-hmm. West Studio. And mm-hmm. if someone was interested, you know, how would they get involved? I know you do workshops there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, how can people find you? Where is the studio located? So about the studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have two locations. One is in the city of Buffalo, New York, um, on Elmwood Avenue in North Buffalo. We have our second location is in Williamsville, New York, so that's a suburb of Buffalo. I don't know if the majority of your folks are in Buffalo or if you have listeners outside of Buffalo, but we are we are Buffalo based. Um, mm-hmm. and our we'd offer a few workshops a month. Over the last year we've really increased so so um, my co-owner, Lee Fox, when she came on, it allowed for us to start to offer more workshops. So yeah. for someone who's just interested in a particular aspect of the practice, um, we, though we offer workshops for that. So, so we have a workshop coming up for Yoga Nidra which is the, um, it's called yogic sleep. I won't get too much into that, but that's in mm-hmm. February. Um, one of our teachers, Alyssa Burke, and she's also involved in teacher training. She is a chiropractor who sees patients out of the studio. Her office is in our Buffalo, our city location. She's doing a workshop about the feet and, um, you know, using the feet in the yoga practice, making sure that, the, that your feet are healthy and strong. Um, we do some retreats. We have a, a retreat coming up in April. Unfortunately, that re- it, it's now full, but we have added a September date, which I will tell yeah. you about afterwards. Yes, um, please. In, in September, yeah, at the, at the Peace Weavers, which is in Bath, New York. So it's about a two-hour drive from Buffalo. Um, in, in the country. And then we have our teacher training program. It's a 200-hour program. We are, um, it, it, it's for people who want to be yoga teachers. It's also for people who want an, to be immersed in the practice, who want the opportunity to just learn more about yoga, even if they don't want to be teachers. Um, teaching yoga is really, really hard. It's not, it, it's not for everyone. It is really hard. Um, it's really, really hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Yeah, when you have a good teacher, um, they make it look easy, and you have, you know, you, you, you have no clue how challenging it is until you find yourself in the front of the room um, trying to figure out how to teach people to fold forward. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you, you, it, they make it look really, really easy. Um, so, so we encourage people. You know, if you don't want to be a teacher, that's that's cool. Um, it's mm-hmm. not a requirement. But if you want to be immersed, if you want to learn more about the philosophy, about the Yoga Sutras and the Bhagavad Gita and and meditation meditation practices and pranayama breathing practices, um, uh, all of those things. Can it, the easiest way to to get all of them at once is through a teacher training program, um, and I kind of I I describe teacher training as like I don't know Bio 101. It's it's mm-hmm. just maybe Bio 101 is not the. It's like a, a sampling philosophy 101 where you're reading like one one work by each of the the major philosophers. Um, and you're just touching mm-hmm. on everything just a little bit, just a taste of Ayurveda, um, just a taste of meditation, and then you decide where you take it. You know, where, where are you going to go with this information? Um, and that's when people start to, to, to go m- more deeply. That's when they choose 
they choose their major, they choose their specialization. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we that's wonderful. Are, yeah, our teacher training program, it's, it's, uh, it's a nine-month program. It runs from February to October. So we just started our 2018 class uh, just two weeks ago, um, and okay. we continue until October. They, they will graduate after they do their teach-out at the end of October. Yeah. Well, thank you, Carrie. That was amazing information, and I recommend everybody to go to East Meets West Studio, whether you're looking for a place to practice, if you're looking for a teacher training program, or if you're looking for workshops to just focus on a certain part of the practice, like East Meets West provides all of that, and they're a great community. So I am so happy, you know, that I found East Midwest Studio. I'm so happy that I was able to train there and that I call it my home. <laughs> so thank you, Carrie, so much for coming on the podcast today. And remember that yoga is for everybody. Thank you, Carrie. My pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>